Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 8th, speak the truth always, and nature will support your every undertaking. Nature with a capital N, he puts it. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? One of the um, fundamental principles of Patanjali's Eightfold Path, Patanjali's Eightfold Path is the um, a, a, a description of the how how evolution hap- how spiritual evolution happens, and one of the the fundamental principles is truth telling. It actually it's put in a very interesting way. It says non lying, meaning you have if you have to control the tendency to distort reality to suit your emotional preferences, and if you can control the tendency to try to make the world what you want it to be what you wish it were, rather than being able just to perceive reality as it is, truth is automatic if you can control the desire to live in delusion, the inclination to live in delusion. And for each of these virtues that is described in this foundation principle, there is a siddha, which a siddha is a yogic power that comes to you if you perfect your ability, um, that particular um, quality in life. For example, ahimsa, which is a, a better, a more known word, which means nonviolence. Controlling the desire to do violence to, the, to anyone else brings you into a state of ahimsa where you have nothing but goodwill and positive um, inclinations toward, every, to, toward all of creation. When you perfect that attitude within yourself, disharmony cannot arise in your presence. And even wild animals will be tamed by the the power of your love. And there's many stories of great masters confronted with wild animals that the animals just became completely tame in, in their presence. There's a story of master where there was a hungry lion stalking toward him and master just leaned over in affection and the the big tiger, the hungry big tiger became just like a gentle pussycat because Master had perfected the practice of ahimsa, and even wild animals could not be antagonistic in his presence. There's a story of Sri Yukteswar when there was a cobra with its hood expanded, getting ready to bite. And one of the, as, I, I'm not experienced with cobras, but as the story is told, one of the only ways that you can protect yourself at such a moment is with absolute stillness. And instead, Sri Yukteswar leaned over and began to clap his hands in front of the cobra. And the cobra just sort of looked at him, and he looked at the cobra for a while, and then it lowered its hood, and it just slunk away without finishing the strike that it had begun. Now, with non-lying, which is telling the truth, the siddha that comes to you is that your very word becomes binding on the universe. And whatever you speak will manifest. I mean, that's a very, I mean, that's, that is the power that enables, and, and this may sound extreme, but it isn't, 
um, for a great master to raise someone from the dead because the, the, the master can declare, you know, that the dead person now lives. Wake, wake up. He is not dead, but he lives. He calls, Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. And his family insisted that Lazarus had been dead for three days. And Jesus said, no, he's not dead. And they rolled the rock back and he called Lazarus out of the tomb and Lazarus walked out of the tomb. He just came back because Jesus had declared, you know, he, he could declare the blind shall see, the lame shall walk. And they were able to. Nature itself supported him. Because Jesus, it wasn't just a question of the words that came out of his mouth. Jesus lived in a perception of the, of the absolute truth of reality itself. You know, truth is much more than the facts of situation. The real truth that we're needing to speak, of course, always speaking the truth in words is, is the beginning of that. But the real truth is that this material world is not what it seems. And that the power of the spirit is always present behind this material world. Even the scientists now endorse this, that this matter, which seems so solid to us, is actually vibrations of energy. And that much that we look at this world and we call it what it is, it, isn't, it simply isn't what it seems. We are not really separate from one another. We are not really material beings. Death itself is an illusion. Consciousness goes on. Age, the passage of time, space itself, the, the imagination of distance, all of these things, so the masters tell us, are just illusions and that over time we will see this world very differently. So, so among the, tr- the truths that we must, must speak are the, really the truths of creation not just sort of what time we're going to have lunch and whether or not I remembered to pick up the tomatoes. But we can start our, uh, our journey into the heart of reality by practicing being very conscientious in every vibration, every word that comes out of our mouth. Because the reasons we're not conscientious are are doorways into the limitations of our consciousness. And it's our consciousness that we need to transform so that we can live in a deeper truth. And the reasons we are not conscientious in our speech are several fold. One is low energy. Just not really wanting to put out enough energy to really say what we mean. Or, or, or not being committed enough to expressing myself or really communicating with you, with someone else. <clears throat> so I allow myself to be sloppy and lazy in what I say. I say half of what I mean or, or something I don't even mean just because I don't want to put out the, the concentration to really ask myself what is the true answer. You know, what do you think about this project that we're going to do? Do you think that this is really going to work? How did you feel when you talked to her? You know, what kind of a day did you have today? Did the meeting go well? I mean, there's, we're, we're asked questions all the time. Do we just give uh, random answers or careless answers? So one of the reasons that we often don't speak the truth is we don't put out enough energy 
to know what we feel, to translate it into words, and then to articulate it with the energy, uh, with the real vibration of what we mean. The other reason we don't tell the truth is because we're afraid to tell the truth. We're afraid to have an opinion. We're afraid to put our opinion out before other people. We know that somebody won't like me if I say this. We're afraid other people are going to get mad. Um, We fear the consequences of actually saying the truth. We find ourselves perhaps trapped in complicated relationship situations where, you know, things, there's an equilibrium. And if I actually say what I actually feel, this equilibrium is going to be disrupted. And then what's going to happen after that? And so we start living a lie. You know, we don't often start, we don't often jump into it. We tend to to drift into it a little at a time. (coughs) Often by a combination of low energy and fear, which are often tied together. Because the fear is often based on if I tell the truth, then certain things will be required of me. And I'm not sure I have the energy to do those things. So I won't rock the boat. But if we feel that way, we get farther and farther away from our true authentic selves. And life becomes more and more complicated. Whereas, if we speak the truth always, nature itself will come to support us. This is another way of saying where there is dharma, there is victory, which is a principle that has always governed Ananda. Dharma is right action, specifically those actions which will help expand consciousness. And one of the principles of Ananda that we've learned, which is based on Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which is what I was referring to before, is that if we cooperate with high ideals, then the universe itself will cooperate with us. And if we compromise those ideals and deliberately take a path that we know is not a principled one, then the opposite is also true, that over time nature herself will cease to support us. Because it can't. Because we have gotten out of tune with the way the universe works. And sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not how it appears. It's what's really going on deeply inside of us. I, um, growing up in the family that I was raised in, um, we, we had spirited intellectual discussions but we, we were not an emotional family. The emotions were not out on the table. And especially, particularly, we didn't argue that much. Um, and I grew up with the feeling that if you, if you really had like a, a, a real argument with someone, that it was, well, it was fairly close to the end of the world. I just didn't know how to argue on, on an emotional level for things. It just didn't happen. We didn't yell. People weren't storming around in the house. This was very interesting to me because, in contrast, a woman who became, who is still, I met her when we were much younger, who has been my friend for many decades. She grew up in a family of three daughters. She said it was very rare for for a, a family dinner not to end with one of the girls standing up, either bursting into tears or yelling out some incredible thing and stomping off and going to her room and slamming her door. It was just, that was just basically the way the family operated. And they were actually a rather close family and they all really liked each other. 
But that was just part of the family dynamic, that when you were upset, you didn't hold back. You just let it out. And so she actually was quite comfortable with that sort of thing. And on more than one occasion, I learned later to just sort of raise my voice and have loud arguments with her because uh, that was just how we communicated. It wasn't, it didn't mean to her what it meant to me. But I'm going to backtrack when I was about 20, just before my 20th birthday, the summer I turned 20, I lived in New York City. Um, and I lived there for three months. And um, I was just beginning, I had just gotten onto the spiritual path, not yet Ananda, but I was, I was on a spiritual journey. I was beginning to try to understand myself more than I had ever tried before, because now I had real tools. And I began to realize that my accommodating personality was not actually based on a harmonious attitude toward life. It was based on a deeply fearful attitude toward life. Partly my upbringing and partly just my karma. I was just very much afraid of having people yell at me and get angry. I just didn't know how to sort of stand calmly in the face of that and let it blow over. And so it, it occurred to me that I wasn't really nice. I was just afraid, and fear was not something I felt I should honor. So I needed to learn to just interact from the point of truth. I mean, we were working on the level of things like here I am in New York City. I go down to the local vegetable stand, and the guy is selling me vegetables, and I can see that he's pressing his thumb on the scale so that my vegetables are going to weigh higher than they would, than the actual vegetables would. You know, it's just like he's there. He can get another 50 cents out of me. Why not? And, and I'm in New York. People are very aggressive in that city. They push and back to the grocery store. You know, if, even if I got there first and they want to get in line in front of me, they'll just get in line in front of me. And my attitude had been, you know, it just doesn't matter to me. But I realized it may not actually matter to me, but it mattered to my well-being that I not continually be afraid to confront. Now, being in New York City was perfect because, you know, New Yorkers are different than people who live in San Francisco. We're just at the opposite sides of the coast. And the mellow California, it's just mellow California doesn't fly very much in New York. And so... I could be someone in New York that would stand out in San Francisco but was, wasn't even noticed in New York. You know, I could say things to the grocer like, hey man, I'm watching, take your stupid thumb off the scale, you know, and he would just laugh and everybody around me would laugh. It would be like a joke instead of like the end of the world where somebody cuts in line and I say, what, you're blind? You can't see that I'm standing here? Get behind me. And he would just get behind me. So I learned. I practiced. I practiced speaking the truth. Isn't that funny? And it was actually, it was very fun. I was there for, th- for about 90 days, three months. And about half the time I had to force myself. And then for half of the second half, I began to enjoy myself. <laughs> and then by the last half, I began to choose my responses. And that's what I was really looking for. Because if I really didn't care about someone cutting in line, why make a scene? Just let him have it. But to not, to to choose that freely 
rather than to be compelled, one was truth and one was not. So Swami says, speak the truth always, and nature will support your every undertaking. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.